0: Conspiracy show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM seven
1: forty, and welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. My name is Richard Serrett, and you have found us. Come aboard and relax because you are among friends. Albert, the intern, is here, and we're welcoming a new addition to the conspiracy show, Eric, the intern. It's getting crowded in here. We've got Tim in the other studio with uh, the, you know managing the dials and the whistles and the bells. Uh, say, just over an hour ago, uh, maybe two hours ago now, we had a very strong 7.7 7 quake occurring in uh, Papua New Guinea. And uh, the interesting thing is that there's no, apparently no tsunami threat. This is according to the NWS Pacific Tsunami Warning Center, which is um, based in Hawaii. And based on all available data, a destructive Pacific-wide tsunami is not expected. So he dodged a bullet there. No tsunami threat to Hawaii. Repeat, a destructive Pacific-wide tsunami is not expected, and there is no tsunami threat to Hawaii. Uh, Now, this is interesting because I just got off the phone before showtime with a listener in Pittsburgh, Bob Dunn. And a couple of weeks ago, as I was preparing to go on the air... Uh, on Coast to Coast AM, Bob sent me a very interesting video he took on his smartphone, which was pointed directly at the sun, and he was using a negative film filter in front of his, I think he has a 3G or a 4G, and uh, there, clearly visible in the left, upper left portion of the sun, you can see a fairly large dot, well, it's more than a dot, and then a few smaller dots around that one, And Bob is estimating that, uh, by his calculations, that dot would be roughly four times the mass of Jupiter, which, of course, is the largest planet in our solar system. And Bob has been tracking these uh, and taking these videos every couple of weeks and posting them on his YouTube channel. And we're going to get that video up on RichardSerrett.com soon. But here's the thing. Bob believes this speck is a brown dwarf. Uh, And it's dragging with it about seven other planets and other debris... And it's headed this way. If all this sounds familiar, well, it should. For those of you familiar with Zachariah Sitchin, uh, we're talking Planet X, Nibiru. And, and Planet X is a bit of a misnomer because it's not just a planet. It's an entire solar system. All this, of course, uh, the theory goes, is being covered up by NASA and others. Uh, but, but it is interesting. If you Google dead astronomers... Just try googling that, dead astronomers. There is a growing list, and somehow the theory is this is connected to this cover-up of uh, Planet X, Nibiru, or this solar system uh, headed our way. But one has to wonder, just to bring it on back home, whether any of this has to do with these uh, earthquakes and strange weather patterns. Is it related to this? Uh, Bob Dunn will be on the uh, the program next week uh, to discuss his theory. Hello to all of you uh, listening in on our flagship station, our flamethrower station, AM740 out of Toronto. 50,000 watts of peace and love covering most of Ontario, parts of Quebec. A couple dozen states in the uh, the lower 30, uh, 48. And uh, hello to all of you listening in on one of our 30-plus U.S. affiliates, those listening in on the uh, the podcast through iTunes, Stitcher. I think we're on Stitcher. Are we on Stitcher? Do you know Albert? Um. We're not. He's thinking about it. <laughs> he's looking into it. Uh, and of course, uh, talk, uh, TalkZone.com. You can listen in there as well. So many ways to listen. Uh, and once again, tonight we're le- uh, we're streaming live on YouTube. So if you want to join the uh, the HOA, the Hangout on Air, as the kids call it, go to my Twitter feed at Richard Serrett at Richard Serrett. Be sure to follow and say hi and then click on the tweet that says HOA link live tonight, March 29, 11 p.m. Hashtag Bank of Canada, hashtag Chemtrails. Uh, We are about to hear from a Canadian constitutional lawyer who has a very interesting case before the federal court of Canada, I believe. He's standing by. Talk about a David and Goliath story. This is it. Rocco Galati says the Bank of Canada, the Queen of England, no less, the Finance Minister, the IMF, are all involved in a conspiracy uh, to enslave the Canadian public. And he'll tell us all about that in just a few moments. I want to remind you about my upcoming live stage event, Follow the Truth 2. It's taking place uh, in the evening on Sunday, April the 26th at the beautiful Region Theatre in downtown Oshawa. And we have an excellent... uh, a lineup for you. We've got an exact replica of the Shroud of Turin, which is rather appropriate as we head into Easter. This is uh, Palm Sunday, of course, for our Catholic and Protestant friends. Passover starts next Saturday, I believe. Uh, so we, and we also have Canada's Edgar Casey, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell. Uh, Dr. John Hall from San Antonio, Texas is flying in to discuss electronic harassment. Paranormal investigator Rosemary Ellen Guiley. We'll be there to attempt to communicate with spirits inside the region theater, uh, an investigation into the Zapruder film, The Lost Tribes of Israel, a presentation on UFOs, angels, and gods by documentary filmmaker Ali Siadatan, and much more. Uh, for more information, visit www.followthetruth.tv followthetruth.tv, or you can order your passes by calling the box office 905 721 3399 that's 905-721-3399 and stand by at the bottom of the hour for your chance to win a pair of tickets to Follow the Truth 2. All right, Toronto lawyer Rocco Galati is in court to challenge how the Bank of Canada does business. He's representing a small group that contends the Bank of Canada is mandated to provide debt-free support for public projects undertaken by federal, provincial and City Governments. Mr. Galati, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, sir? Good. How are you, Richard? Thank you for having me. Very well. Uh, I'm, I'm quite well as well. <laughs> Lots of wells. Now, we've had uh, the Honorable Paul Hellier on this program a number of times, uh, who's uh, talked about the need for reforming the Bank of Canada. Uh, for those uh, who, who might think this is all very sort of esoteric and arcane, give us a brief thumbnail sketch, First, the, the, a brief history of the Bank of Canada and its purpose.
2: Sure. But before I do that, actually, Paul Hellyer is a member of uh, one of the plaintiffs here at the Comer. He's a member of uh, Comer. Uh, Briefly, the Bank of Canada was set up in 1934 and then nationalized as a public bank in 1938. And its central purpose during those Depression years was to be able to uh, float interest or low interest-free loans, but it was interest-free loans in those years uh, up until 1974, for what we call uh, human capital expenditure and in infrastructure, that is hospitals, health, roads, uh, universities, uh, and whatnot, and whatever needs the country had. Now, this mechanism between 1938 and 1974 uh, saw Canada pay its World War II debt a lot faster than most countries. In fact, most countries only recently paid it in the last 10 years. That's right. Uh, It also funded the St. Lawrence Seaway, did it not? St. Lawrence Seaway, the Trans-Canada Highway, and if you recall, if you're of that generation, the explosion of building of universities and hospitals and schools during the 60s and 70s.
1: All this was paid for through the Bank of Canada at low or no interest?
2: All of that was interest-free, no interest, yes. Okay, and this was done... And in 1974, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau agreed to join uh, what is called the Bank of International Settlement in Basel, Switzerland, which, for lack of a better word, is a central bank for central banks. Right. Uh, Trudeau, before he died, uh, c- confessed that he, that was one of the biggest decisions he regretted in his political career, saying he didn't. Really understand the economics and the consequences. I
1: don't think economics were Trudeau's strong point. No, was no. he was
2: he fooled? Was he tricked into it? Who was advising him? I think, I, I believe at the time, uh, uh, Mr. Turner was the finance minister, but I may be mistaken. I don't. I don't I, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't recall. But whoever was advising him, he agreed. Now, what people have to understand about central banks is that there's two types of central bank: a private central bank. That's a private bank for profit and a public central bank. Right. Canada is the only country in the G8, and in fact, I think in the G20, to have a public central bank. That means it reports and answers to, to Parliament and the citizens. All the other central banks, in the, let's say the G8 for now, the Federal Reserve in the United States is a private bank. The Bank of England is a private bank. The Bank of Italy, on and on and on. So Canada is the only country that has a public bank as its central bank. So the end shot of joining this group over in Europe is that they dictate monetary policy, they dictate interest rates, they dictate everything our central bank is supposed to deal with, but they're private actors after their own interests and profit. They couldn't care less about Canada or any other country.
1: uh, Rocco, my understanding is, uh, uh, the last time I checked, the federal debt. Never mind the combined debts of the provinces. Just look at the federal debt. We're looking at about $600 billion. Yeah, six twenty,
2: six seventy, somewhere in there, yeah. Right.
1: And um, I have heard, uh, it may have been the Honorable Mr. Hellyer who told me this, that 95% of that debt is attributable to compound interest since 1974. Uh, that,
2: that, 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 I think uh, there was a misunderstanding there. That debt is the principal, however, since 1974... Since 1974, we have paid $1.1 trillion in compound interest servicing ah, that debt. Right. Okay? Right. So, for instance, in the last budget, the budget is about $228 billion, and we're paying $28 billion in interest. Now, people have to understand, to put that in context... $28 billion is more than the entire defense budget in Canada, and it's more than what the feds transferred to the provinces for health care to every province. This is the kind of interest we're talking about. It's huge. And, and who do we pay that
1: interest to? When we talk about international, is it all international lenders, or does, does some of that go to the holders of Canadian saving bonds, perhaps here in Canada?
2: Uh, well, some of that debt is by bonds, but most of that debt is to domestic and foreign banks. A lot of the central banks over in Europe. It's mostly foreign.
1: Right. Now, um, to your. We, we're coming up on a break here. We'll, we'll start the discussion now. And uh, let me just remind uh, listeners Toronto lawyer Rocco Galati is with us. He's representing a small group. Uh, That contends, and and Mr. Hellyer, the Honorable Polly Hellyer, former defense minister, former deputy prime minister of Canada is is, uh, in that group, Uh, they contend that the Bank of Canada is uh, mandated to provide debt-free support. For public projects undertaken by all levels of government, look at the, the infrastructure deficit we have here in Toronto. We, we go begging, borrowing, and cap in hand to the province for some a few shekels so that we can dig and tunnel and build a subway system and they have nothing for us. Uh, all of this unnecessary, according to uh, Mr. Galati and the group that represents him. If we would restore the original purpose of the Bank of Canada, we could go there and get it. We could get the money we need to build the infrastructure this country so desperately needs at no interest. Thus, therein lies the conspiracy. We are being enslaved. He'll tell us more when The Conspiracy Show returns right after this. Stay with us. Toronto lawyer Rocco Galati is with us. He's in court to challenge how the Bank of Canada does business. He's alleging conspiracy uh, the Queen of England, the finance minister uh, – finance ministers present and past, I presume uh, – the uh, the IMF and the Bank of International Settlements, which is the central bank of all privately uh, held central banks. And this all began in 1974 when the original purpose of the Bank of Canada, which had been nationalized by Premier uh, McKin- or Prime Minister Mackenzie King back in uh, 1938 – The the role was changed. The the, the various levels of government could no longer go to the Bank of Canada and borrow money at zero percent interest to fund major infrastructure projects. For example, the buildings of the building of hospitals and universities, the Saint Lawrence Seaway, uh, the the war effort. On and on it goes, Uh, and as a result, today we see ourselves saddled with a six hundred billion plus. Uh, federal debt, and we are paying $28 billion. Out the window it goes, $28 billion per annum just to service that debt. Think what we could do with $28 billion. Uh, Rocco, w- would you say that this is the most important case of your career?
2: Uh, it certainly is. It's the, it's, it's the biggest, most important case I've done, and I've done some pretty big cases in my 27 years at the bar. I, can I just... Uh, f- uh, Uh, clarify something you said Richard, uh, two things. One, Comer is not that small. It has 248 members and uh, although most of them for privacy reasons don't want to be named. Uh, Secondly, can I detail for your audience the second part of the claim that's as important, which is linked to the Bank of Canada? Uh, Under the Bank of Canada, the ultimate boss is the Minister of Finance. We also seek uh, a declaration and a mandatory order that the Minister of Finance stop the dishonest way that they table the budget every year here's what they do instead of tabling the anticipated revenues and the anticipated expenditures and therefore come up with an anticipated debt deficit or surplus the revenue side is dishonest because they don't disclose the revenue collectible at its gross end but they only disclose it when you deduct tax credits Anticipated tax credits back to the taxpayers. So simply put, it goes something like this. They, for instance, say, "Our anticipated revenue is going to be 240 billion, our anticipated expenditure is 280. We're going to have a deficit of 40 billion. That's not true. Their anticipated revenue is probably 350 or 400, and then they kick back anticipated tax credits. All right. The reason that's important is if the MPs actually knew how much money is coming in. They may decide not to run a deficit. I got
1: you. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the, the fact that there are shenanigans and, and shell games going on, we sort of bake that into the equation at this right. point, but I'm, I'm glad you, you, you clarified that point. It, it, but I do want to get back to the Bank of Canada. Right. Uh, and and um, let, let us um, just understand exactly how this would work. If I mean, is it simply... a, 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 a changing the the um the Bank of Canada act how would you how would this be done uh to revert the the, the Bank of Canada back to its the, original purpose no the the bank
2: it's never changed the present law is the same as it was in 1938 they're just ignoring it that's why we're in court so it wasn't even done by an act of parliament no no it's just by the decision of the finance minister not to request interest-free loans anymore. And that was John Turner, uh, you were uh, correct. There's various ones. Uh, there, there's uh, Goodale. All, all, all uh, finance ministers, since we've joined the Bank of International Settlements, uh, sing the same mantra. One, the, quote, banking community would not like it, and who are they? It's a bunch of private foreign bankers. Uh, secondly, it creates inflation, which is bogus. I mean, Obama and Harper in 208... Gave out a trillion dollars to save the banks, and it caused no inflation.
1: Well, they're printing money, they're printing uh, to, as and as they can't out. get it. To, they can't get the inflation rate, you know, to two percent, which that's is their right. target.
2: That's right. And we're talking about negative inflation, in fact. But anyway, so so there's no laws that have to be changed. The laws simply have to be respected, and that's why we're going in to seek a declaration, and uh, that, uh, that, that, that that this law should be applied. Another thing I should mention is there are mechanisms on this loan provision that avoid inflation that is uh there are there are limits to what the bank of canada can lend so for the federal government it's up to a maximum of one-third of its budget and for the provinces uh, a maximum of one quarter and it has to be paid in the next fiscal year which means is there's no inflationary impact and what it also means it forces governments to balance budgets and use the money wisely because they're getting, a fir- they're getting right. up to a third interest rate.
1: Would we be able to, if we were to um, use the Bank of Canada as it was intended, would we be able to pay off the international lenders and the, and the n- domestic banks uh, the $600 billion over a fairly short course of time so we could get out from underneath this, this debt and the crushing debt payments?
2: If we did it in a way that wouldn't cause a severe shock, yeah, like a 15, 20-year period, we could pay it all off. So,
1: yeah. this, give us the status. This is before the federal court.
2: So what happened was, it was filed, believe it or not, in 2011. The government moved to strike it. At the first level, the prothonotary struck it, saying the court can't look at these issues. At the second level, I, I won the appeal and the court said, yes, we can, but there's a few problems because we asked for damages too. So the judge said, go ahead and redraft the problematic parts if you want. Uh, the government appealed the fact that we co- go, could go ahead to the Federal Court of Appeal, uh, three judges, and this January, the Federal Court of Appeal said, no, this can proceed, just amend the statement of claim, just to, uh, correct the plea. Were you shocked that the, the Federal Court paved the way f- to hear this? I, I, I'll tell you, I, I, notwithstanding the fact that I believe I'm on completely firm grounds on the legal analysis, I was pleasantly surprised they let it go forward, yes. Hmm. And on March 26th, I filed... The amended claim. Now we're waiting for the government's response. Uh, they're going to defend it, or if they're going to try some more shenanigans, then we'll be back in court. But, uh, but it w- in my view, it will proceed.
1: May I ask if you're doing this pro bono? N- uh,
2: no, no. But I'm not. I'm not making the kind of money a Bay Street lawyer would be making. Right. No, I would this, imagine
1: you yeah. would incur some considerable yeah. costs. So yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No. So you're so, taking this uh, no, taking I, this on now. Before this case, uh, you were approached. Uh, by this group. Uh, were, had you heard about this, or did you have to be sort of brought up to speed on, on all of this? What was your familiarity with the case?
2: Well, I, I, ha- I had to, I don't know how to, how to describe this. Uh, looking at the provision of the Bank Act is easy, but then doing the historical research and then the underpinning economic countervailing theories and then that to translate that back into legalese took. Took a good part of a year.
1: When you when you learned what
2: was going on, this game, yeah. uh, what was your reaction? Were you were you flabbergasted, shocked? I was, I was incensed because I, you know most people don't know this. Although I, I do a lot of constitutional work, and I've done a lot of t- uh, anti-terrorism cases, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen my cases in the press. But uh, by training, I was a tax lawyer, and <laughs> I was a tax litigator, and I have a master's in law and tax. And what most people don't realize that tax. And constitutional law, the history of it, goes hand in hand because all tax is is the exacting of our, uh, the fruits of our labor and uh, a social reengineering and, uh, and redistribution of that labor. And so tax law is very important. It shows you how the government is controlling the economic wealth of the country. When I learned about this, I was just incensed. And where does conspiracy come into
1: this? I mean, people don't understand oftentimes that conspiracy is a legal term. Yes. Where I mean, we call the the conspiracy show, and that kind of puts some okay. people off. But what is where is the conspiracy
2: here? Okay, the conspiracy is in the in the central bankers using the banking system to manipulate and keep poor country, countries down, and simply to dominate countries and affect their social policies to their liking. Uh, to maximize profit, there's you know there's nothing wrong with the word conspiracy. In Canada, a conspiracy is an indictable offense. Yes, if you if you uh, agree to do something knowing it will hurt X, uh, or it's against the, the the criminal law, it's it's a, it's an offense in itself. On the civil side, uh, there's a tort of conspiracy, which amounts to this. If people agreeing to do something illegally, which has the effect of hurting somebody else, or agreeing to do something that is legal with the intention to hurt somebody else. That's a conspiracy. Right, and right. so, And so the you know, conspiracy has been around since Julius Caesar.
1: That's true. You know? Yes, absolutely. And when
2: people accuse me of being a, con- a conspiracy theorist, I say to them, well, if I'm if I'm a conspiracy theorist, you must be a coincidence theorist. <laughs> but coincidences are not criminal code offenses. That's that's true. Well, you know, the, uh, and I always say, what is a what is an
1: investigative journalist and what is a homicide detective if not a conspiracy theorist? Of course, they're trying to
2: piece together. Yeah. But, exactly. but you know, this case, although it's been written up as because you know it's been written up as uh, an allegation of conspiracy, really, the allegations are that the government of Canada. Is not abiding by this statute, the Bank of Canada Act. Right. And when, when a gover- and second of all, the the government of Canada is relinquishing sovereignty, and abdicating its duty to to govern to foreign private individuals. When you do that, that's unconstitutional. It's you treasonous. Say, it, well, Mr. Hellyer says it's treasonous, and I have a hard time arguing with him.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, I mean, and, and I am I am following the situation in Greece very closely. Right. but My wife is, is, is Greek. My children half right. Greek, and and that's a, a prime example of what happens when you when you give up your control over your currency. You lose your sovereignty. Right. You're getting orders from Brussels now. Right.
2: Um, uh, so, well, it's interesting you mentioned Greece because one of the plaintiffs, Mr. Krem, who God bless him, turned a hundred last night here. Uh, actually, before about five years ago, flew to Greece twice at the request of the current government when they were in opposition to advise them on monetary policy.
1: That's interesting, yes. You yeah. mentioned William Krem, and yeah. uh, this is a, 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 bit, a kind of an interesting backstory. Maybe we can spend a few minutes... Uh, tell us about uh, Mr. Krem, who is a native uh, to- Torontoni- Torontonian and, uh, I understand, a former Trotskyite. Well,
2: I actually took the case in part just because Mr. Krem was one of the, uh, the clients. Mr. Krem fought in Spain with his friend George Orwell in the Spanish Civil War. Wow. Uh, George Orwell was a close friend of his. In fact, a lot of Mr. Orwell's economic theories in his novels came from Mr. Krem. Uh He was a Trotskyite. He then ended up uh, seeing the murder of Trotsky himself in Mexico. He was in Mexico with Trotsky when uh, so Trotsky got murdered by Stalin's henchmen, and so he's been he's been he's been interested in economic policies, and he's written he's predicted every single meltdown we've had in the last 20 years, from the IT to the to the stock market to the real estate, and now the financial markets before it happened. Of course, people wrote him off because of his age.
1: Right. right. You know, he's
2: writing these books. Uh, he wrote to the his last one a year and a half ago. He's writing these books into, into his late eighties and nineties, but his analysis is right on the money.
1: And um, I, I'm just looking here at the, uh, the Toronto Star article. It said he he once stood over Leon Trotsky's corpse. That's right. After the Russian revolutionary was assassinated in Mexico City with an ice pick, no no less.
2: Yeah, I, I believe he might have given one of the eulogies. I'm not sure about that. But he was he was there in in uh, in uh, in Mexico with uh, with Trotsky trying to. Uh, you know, rehabilitate the uh, the Trotskyite uh, uh, philosophy. By the way, most people don't know. George Orwell was a Trotskyite. I knew he was a Fabian. I didn't know he was a Trotskyite. Uh, he was a Trotskyite. And when he wrote his books, uh, especially... Uh, uh, Animal Farm. Animal Farm. He had a foreword written, which was removed for almost 40 years. Basically, uh, uh, T.S. Eliot, who was the chief editor in Faber and Faber, refused to publish it, and threatened to have him charged with treason. The government tre- threatened to have him charged with treason because England was an ally of Joseph Stalin at the time. Ah. And the forward said, you know, Stalin's communism is not communism. There's nothing co- wrong with communism if you follow the Trotsky philosophy.
1: Right, because Animal Farm is certainly uh, uh, an indictment of, of, capi- of, of, of communism under, under Stalin.
2: That's right, but it was never sold as such. People see. People assumed for years and generations of schoolchildren assumed that uh, George Orwell was was anti-communist because of, because of his criticism of communism. Because they removed the forward where he explained the the type of communism that he 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 propounded. Right. Yeah. Okay. So back to the uh, the case
1: before the federal courts. Right. Uh, if. Okay, so give us the, the timeline here. What, what's next? How is this going to happen?
2: Well, if the government decides to play games and uh, move to strike again on some other specious ground, we'll be in court fairly quickly. If not, the government has to file a defense, and we move on to discovery, presenting our evidence, and hopefully within 18 months get a trial date.
1: And then if you, get, um, if you win at the federal court, then the, the federal government will appeal, and it'll go to the Supreme Court? Is
2: that right? i i i'm 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 almost certain they will appeal all right
1: yeah. and how do you see it i mean where I'm asking you to speculate here obviously but it, it,
2: what do you mean in terms of timeline
1: well timeline and and if it gets to the supreme court um
2: yeah. what happens then well hard hard to say depending on how 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 healthy or Sick or dead, the financial uh, system is. You know, we have a serious possibility that the global financial market will collapse, like oh, it did in 29. I'm
1: you know? 100% so, behind you on that. I, so. I, I, the, 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 the figures that have the
2: manipulation of data in terms of unemployment right. is ridiculous. So, so I think one of the, I'll be honest with you, one of the reasons, one of the reasons I believe that the the courts were not as hesitant in just blowing this away as they might have been is because of 208. Right. You see, generally speaking, if things are humming and you go to a court with this kind of big issue, and will say, well, you know, we're not, we're not the government. We're not going to second-guess the government. But I think they had a second a second thought given what happened in 2008 in terms of allowing it to proceed and see where it goes. Had uh, the
1: Bank of Canada been operating the way it should have been operating in 2008 and municipal, provincial, federal governments... Could have gone there and borrowed money at zero percent interest. Do you think things might have been different, in terms of the uh, the economic impact here?
2: I think th- things would have been different to, uh, in, in in the sense that it would have uh, you know it would have helped some people who were out in terms of uh, uh, their mortgage and that to Harper's credit, but to the indictment of the system, CBC unveiled that in addition to the sixty billion, our government gave three banks who. To avoid collapse, the Harper go- the, this government absorbed 160 billion in defaulted CHCM uh, mortgages. So when you add the two, a uh, 220 billion, in the space of two years, the government gave three banks the equivalent of an entire federal budget just to 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 to, 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 to avoid their collapse. Because if one or two major banks in Canada collapse, the domino effect is it'll bring down the entire system.
1: And, uh, and I understand that uh, somewhat surreptitiously buried into in, in, like on page 34 of a piece of legislation was in a bail-in provision. Okay,
2: let me explain that. If, if, if your listeners don't understand that, let me explain what that means.
1: Let me just um, sure. get you to hold on, Rocco. Sure. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, I'll get you to talk about the bail-in. Much sure. to discuss. Rocco Galati, in court to challenge how the Bank of Canada does business. It's a Di- David versus Goliath case, to be sure. The most important of his life... And perhaps ours, too. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Welcome back. Before we get back to my conversation with Toronto constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati uh, versus the, uh, the Bank of Canada, the finance minister... Uh, the Queen of England, the IMF, the International, uh, the Bank of International Settlements, alleging conspiracy. Uh, here is your opportunity to win a pair of tickets to my live stage event happening Sunday, April the 26th. It's called Follow the Truth 2. Here is your question. And if you are the seventh correct caller through at 416-360-0740. Let me g- give you those again. 416 360 0740 or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. 866-740-4740. Here's your question. Victims of electronic harassment and organized stalking are also known as TIs. What do the initials T-I stand for? Again. Keeping in mind, we have uh, Dr. John Hall coming to the conference to speak about electronic harassment. Victims of electronic harassment and organized stalking are also known as TIs. What do the initials TI stand for? Tim is uh, standing by to take the seventh correct answer again at 416-360-0740 and one 740 all right, we are back now with uh, Rocco Galati talking about uh, the Bank of Canada. Now, um, the the possibility of a confiscation of savings in Canada, a Cyprus-style bail-in, uh, is that is that feasible? Is that possible that it could happen here?
2: Well, it's happened in our history, in recent history, in the '90s, in an Alberta bank. It's not a confiscation, Richard. Let me explain to your listeners something that most people find shocking when you deposit a hundred dollars in the bank the bank only you know historically was higher but now it's gone as low as two percent only has to hold two dollars of that money as a reserve okay now most people think that when they deposit money into a bank it's their money in law that money belongs to the bank you have entered a contract for to give over your money in exchange for interest on that money. But that money belongs to the bank. So when a bank goes bankrupt or has more debt than assets, we can bail out the bank. And that's what happened in 2008. We bailed out the bank's shortfall. What Finance Minister Flaherty said in his budget twice, he put taxpayers on notice that they, the government will no longer bail out the banks, but you are bailing into their debt with your deposits. So if a bank goes bankrupt, you're a simple creditor, and you get $0.02, two cents on the dollar on your savings. You understand?
1: I do. Disturbing, <laughs>
2: disturbing. So it's not that they're confiscating your money. That's the contract you have with the bank, believe it or not. And this happened in the 90s where Supreme Court of Canada Justice Bud Esty led the commission and the inquiry in a bank that went uh, savings, uh, a trust uh, uh, company, which is the same as a bank, that went belly up in Alberta. Depositors ended up getting eight cents on the dollar of their deposits. That's in Canada. It happened here in Canada in
1: the 90s. Sounds to me like we need an Icelandic revolution.
2: Uh, I I, I couldn't disagree with you. Wow. So that's the bail-in. People have to understand... It's not our money. It's not your money once you deposit it. You're entitled to interest under the contract, but, you know, if a a company goes bankrupt, then you're a simple creditor. Right. We're just chattel, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. Um.
1: Yeah, we were just office furniture, uh, so much chattel. Uh, so, again, this goes to the federal court. Uh, if the um, if it's allowed to proceed, in other words, if the, uh, the federal government doesn't throw up any more obstacles, uh, it'll proceed. And mm-hmm. then this, if you win, then the government will appeal. We're not hearing, for example, Thomas Mulcair from the NDP. We're not hearing Justin Trudeau from the Liberals, uh, you know, talking about this. Obviously... None of them. They all have a vested interest. They all want things to go along as they are. Why does – I'm, I'm asking this rhetorically,
2: I, I suppose, but you know, why is that? I, I There's many reasons, Richard, and it's funny you say that because somebody who's aware of this case, an alternative media reporter, asked Justin Trudeau – and the clip is on YouTube – asked Justin Trudeau – what do you think of this, uh, uh, you know, Bank of Canada case, and why is the Bank of Canada not giving interest-free loans? And he said, "quote I don't believe in conspiracy theories."
1: Yeah, that's that's the uh, okay. the shorthand well, uh, but for.
2: But, but you know, most of the if I most I, of them don't understand
1: the exactly. the fact of the matter is they don't even know what money is
2: or they, where it comes from. Well, people think they know what the term money means, but money is like love. Everybody thinks they know what it means. Try to define it and apply it universally. See, money, money, money is a very uh, money is a very uh, uh, vague concept because people confuse currency with money, and people confuse different forms of money as being the absolute exhausting of money. Money, really, if you try to define money, all money is is a form of consensual transaction, right for economic exchange. And the settlement of debt—that's what money is. Right. So that could be, bond, that could be bonds, currency, coins, barter, credit. For instance, when you write me a check, people think money transfers. It's just the transfer of a credit, and so it's not actual. It's not actual currency there, but it's a form of money. So there's different forms of money, but people confuse uh, how money is created. People don't know how money is created. People don't know that money is created.
1: Yes, literally out of thin air.
2: Literally, yeah.
1: Let's, uh, let's take one more time out, come back, and uh, finish up a few more questions for Rocco Galati, fighting the case of his life and ours. Imagine restoring the Bank of Canada to a situation where all levels of government could go there, borrow money, interest-free, build our subways, fix our crumbling infrastructure. The, the, uh, the, the possibilities are endless. We don't need to be living this way. Back with more. Stay with us. And congratulations to Wayne Woodward. Uh, Wayne answered the uh, trivia question at the bottom of the hour and has uh, won a pair of tickets to my live stage event, Follow the Truth 2, happening April 26th at the Regent Theatre in Oshawa. For more information, followthetruth.tv or you can order tickets 905-721-3399. The correct answer, by the way, for those keeping score at home... Uh, is targeted individuals targeted individuals? Uh, Rocco Galati stays with us for a few moments yet to discuss his remarkable uh, David and Goliath case before the Federal Court of Canada, uh, challenging or accusing the uh, the federal finance minister. The um, is the
2: IMF involved in this as well? Well, the IMF is one of the individuals, yeah, that has uh, the ability to transact with the Bank of Canada under the statute. Yeah. The 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 the. The other thing I, I, I wanted to say, Richard, is that uh, you know I equate this to the old opium wars, where the uh, where Western European countries, because they had this industry of opium, were forcing the Chinese to buy opium. We are being forced, literally like addicts, onto interest from these private central bankers, and there's absolutely no need for it. You know, uh, and it's 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 it. It's, it, it, it's somewhat fraudulent in a way, too, because they get their money from central banks, banks and next to 0% interest, and then they relend it to our government right <laughs> at right. commercial rates.
1: Now, in China, I believe they have a, a, a public central bank. Do they not?
2: Of course they do, yeah. 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 Uh, and, so they, they, and that's why they're doing well. The other thing I want to mention is… That huge in North,
1: infrastructure projects going on there course. right now.
2: Yeah. In North America, there's only a, one other entity that's ever had a public central bank, North Dakota. Since 1905 interesting and, and you know what they have not had since 1905 in North Dakota a single deficit
1: isn't that interesting
2: no debts, no deficit every year they have the same problem do we build more infrastructure or do we cut taxes
1: and how, I mean, how is how are they able to do that I mean uh, do they not have a federal
2: reserve um, are they not no, they're allowed. State banks are allowed. There are now there are now seven states in which people have introduced uh, members have introduced bills to create a public bank. It's like that. Let me give you a simple example, uh, uh, Richard, of how on a, on a on a on a national scale this works. Let's say if you if you have a prop, if if your wife has a property and she needs a mortgage from a bank, rather than doing that, let's say. If you have an RSP, a self-directed RSP, right. you can give your wife that mortgage. Let's say it's an it's a it's an income property. The money she pays back into your RSP, interest gets deducted from the income of that of that uh, uh, property that's uh, uh, making income. Right. So it's a revolving door from you from your wife to back to your RSP tax-free, principal and interest. Right. This is a similar mechanism. People think, oh, no, it's too good to be true. Well, it's not. The mechanism is there.
1: Right, right, because we are the bank.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: We're lending to ourselves. And again, uh, how much could – let's say uh, I'm sitting here in Toronto, you're in Toronto. uh, What percentage of the annual municipal budget could John Tory go to the Bank of Canada and borrow?
2: Well, that's changed because during this, at a given time, uh, time the province is balked about direct payments to the municipalities, so it have to come through the, through the uh, uh, province. Okay. A province can borrow up to 25% of its annual budget and do what they want with it. They can then transfer it down to the municipality. However, let me correct myself. Under now the what's recognized constitutionally as the, the spending power from the feds, there is nothing to stop the feds from transferring directly to the municipalities f- through interest free loans, and again, so long as that does not exceed 30% of the federal budget. So they have that wiggle room. That's a lot of money. When you say seven, you know, 30% of last year's budget is $70 billion.
1: Provincially or federa- uh, federally. Federally. That's federally. That's a lot $70 of money.
2: billion. Dollars. $70 billion.
1: We could take $50 billion of that. pay off the the principal on the debt, and we'd have another $20 billion uh, to build bridges, roads. Put proper drinking water in all of the reserves across this country.
2: Right. Well, there's a lot. Look look what we did as a nation between 1938 and 1974, less than 40 years. We became one of the leading nations and the healthiest nations in terms of education and infrastructure because of the Bank of Canada mechanism. No two ways about it.
1: It's it's frustrating that no none of the uh, you know the, the major political parties uh, are are willing to take this on. Now I, this is a major platform in in the Canadian Action Party, which was formed by uh, the Honorable Paul Hellier. Right. Uh, but you know they're barely a, a blip on the radio on, on, on radar, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: Well, you see, one of the problems uh, one of the problems with this is that members of Parliament, and I've observed this in other uh, contexts when I was uh, you know making the position against the anti-terrorism legislation 15 years ago is that the MPs don't want to appear stupid because they don't know and they don't want to educate themselves so they put their head in the sand this is one of the problems with the elected members of parliament and unfortunately as I've, I've experienced in my legal career when you have a situation where democracy the electoral part of democracy is broken down there's only one institution that acts as a check against the executive that, in parliament, and that's the courts. Right. And, and you, you know, you've seen that with, uh, you know, other big cases I've won with respect to the judiciary and whatnot. Yes. And, and well, and I would throw in the
1: media. We are and, we're the last line of defense. Right, that's right. And uh, we have abdicated the playing field. We've, we've abandoned the playing field. Rather. Right.
2: I mean, it took me four years to get the mainstream media to break this. You know, there was a resistance in covering the story.
1: I'm not surprised
2: because nobody wants to look silly or stupid. I mean, we're, well, our culture has a problem with vicarious embarrassment. I don't know why.
1: Well, I'll tell you. I, uh, I'm going to go public with it right now. I, I was working at the CBC uh, producing. I produced two uh, documentary series, and one of them was called "Out of Their Minds," uh, which is kind of a play on words. But the, it was about heretics and game changers and people with you know, game-changing ideas. And and I interviewed the Honorable Paul Hellyer about Bank of Canada reform, and it was perfect for the series, and it was quashed, and I was not given a reason.
2: Well, and and that's because most people don't know that the ultimate boss at the CBC is Cabinet by its governing legislation. Cabinet can issue an order to CBC in secret, and they have to follow it and not talk about it. Most people don't know that. Hmm. It's a public broadcasting. It's owned by the government, even though it pretends to be uh, arm's length.
1: What can we do? How can we? How can we? Uh, you know, move this thing forward and get this. This is the most important. One of the most important issues. You know, facing. Our, it's, it's about our future.
2: We we need to talk about it. We need to educate other people about it. You know, encourage people to go to the Comer website. Uh, uh, there's an election coming. Raise it. Raise it with the uh, candidates in your writings. The whole traditional batch, and you know, and uh, we have to fight this because. It's really it's really incredible that a government can choose to ignore a law. Now, I want to say something else that's interesting, Richard, before, uh, before we finish. Often people tell me, well, why doesn't the government just change the law and get rid of this mechanism, right? You would think, it, rather than fight this case or other cases, and there's two answers to that. The first is, if it got into parliamentary debate... Canadians might get educated, but that's not the primary a- reason. Right. The reason they don't get rid of this is they're no fools. They know the international banking system can collapse. And if and when it does, we're going to use that provision big time like we did in 1938. No government wants to lose that provision because it's easy to repeal a law. It's hard to reenact. Ah,
1: right, right, right. So
2: they know it's It's our safety net in case the international banking system collapses because then they can reborrow interest free as long as everybody consensually agrees in a society people have confidence in the banking system they've used that provision before in that kind of situation, and the, our economy will hum as it did better than others because of it
1: well and part of the problem is is uh the way our 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 governments or our, our politicians uh, here, here, let me cut to the quick. I, I think they're all the same. They, they act differently during an election, and you might yeah. say, "Well, how could the new Democrats be the same as the Conservatives?" What happens once they get in in, in power is, you know, I don't know. Call it the unseen hand, but they're all essentially, uh, they're all the same. They're members of this board of directors, and they're all just vying for their turn to be CEO. No. and they all work for the Queen of England.
2: Yeah, you're, and you're, and you're you're quite right. That's the reason, for instance. We don't have proportional representation. You know, everybody knows it's a good idea. It's more democratic. But they cynically say, well, when I'm in power, I wouldn't want that. I want an, I want an absolute majority. And so that's right. They just want their ter- they, They're just waiting for their turn, even though it's a broken system or it's, you know, we're at the point now in the, in the words of Bob Dylan in a recent uh, album where he said, we're bending broken rules. Hmm. I mean, that's how bad it's getting. The we're system is really breaking rules. down. We're right. bending broken rules.
1: Do you have any any uh, any friends uh, in in
2: parliament who who get it, who understand? Uh, one or two, but superficially. When I explain it to them, when I explain it to them, you know, in the way I have on this show, they get it. But then they have to raise the questions, and they, if they're going to take it up as an issue, they have to educate themselves a bit. And quite frankly, a lot of them are hesitant. Uh, Mr. Hellyer also remarked that that's one of the biggest problems, is most MPs don't understand this. Not that it's rocket science, it's not splitting an atom, but it's understanding that, you know, the private interests that are touting this as a crazy idea, even though it was the national policy of this gov- go- country for almost 40 years, have different self-private interests. And right. so they're in the majority, so... You know, they always say not with, just with this case, Richard, but every time I bring a case to the courts, they always say, "Oh, I'm out there. I'm going to lose." And I, I jokingly and realistically say, in fairness to them, they're right 37 percent of the time. <laughs> right. But, but you know, but they they try to laugh it off, and people don't don't want to take that on.
1: It's interesting that the uh, the governors of the Bank of Canada primarily come from you know Goldman Sachs.
2: Oh, yeah, they're all tied into the same, the same fraudulent web but that, uh, you know, that uh, put us into this mess in the, in, the, in, the, in the first place. I mean, they're all, they're all old. Uh, uh, most, most of them are European bankers. They're the most prominent. They have the most money, including the Vatican Bank. You know, all these banks in Europe still control the money supply around the world.
1: Remarkable. Rocco, yeah. I, uh, not to, to, to gush, but I, I think you're a hero. Well,
2: I don't know. I'm just a lawyer doing my job.
1: Well, you're doing, a, <laughs> you're doing one hell of a job. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that, uh, the, uh, you know, there aren't too many that would have taken this up. Right. Um, do you, have you ever doubted for a minute the, this, this, this journey that you're on? Have you ever regretted it?
2: Not, not for a second. I mean, I told my clients, listen, we may lose, but there's no doubt in my mind that we're on strong le- legal and constitutional grounds and the histories behind this. It's just if we lose, it's because for political reasons.
1: We're enslaved, essentially.
2: We are enslaved, yeah. Yeah. This is an enslavement provision. Think about it. You, you know, it's not 28 billion every year, it depends on the interest rates. Sure. We've paid as much as 50 billion in carrying charges and interest charges in budgets in the past. It's obscene. Just
1: obscene. Yeah. Again, fifty billion. Think of hospitals that uh, oh. that need diagnostic equipment to save lives. Yeah. Think of unsafe drinking water in reserves. Yeah. Think of our crumbling infrastructure. All that could go Take away care tomorrow. Of all of
2: it. Yeah.
1: All of it. Godspeed, Rocco. Okay. Godspeed. Thank you for this. Thank you. Rocco Galati. Well, You know, we all have a huge, unimaginably huge vested interest uh, in in this case and the outcome of this case. So, uh, if I were to give you an assignment, it's um, Learn about this. Google it. Find out what's going on with the, uh, the Bank of Canada Act. And when the next election rolls around, invite these people coming to your door, knocking on your door, canvassing. Invite them in. Sit them down. Make them a pot of tea and hold their feet to the, to the fire. And ask them about this Bank of Canada provision and how we can return the Bank of Canada to its original role so we can get out from underneath this uh, crushing debt and these ridiculous interest payments. Imagine being able to finally build subways, build hospitals, repair our crumbling bridges and roads and water mains. It's doable. The website richardserrett.com, thats your portal to this program. Check it out. Register while you're there. It's fast. It's easy. It's free. And as always, follow the truth. TV. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your pickup truck, your long haul truck, your earbuds, the space between your ears. Get on up to the uh, website richardserrett.com. You'll find a, a number of interesting stories posted in the highlight carousel atop the page uh, by Elbert the Intern. Uh, among them is a, a story about the release of documents. Uh, these documents were released by the police department in the West Midlands, which is in the United Kingdom, and uh, the documents were released under Britain's version of uh, FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. They call it something different over there, I suppose. But anyway, the the, the West Midlands Police Department, uh, in a uh, I guess in the interests of transparency, has received, it says, 23 alien-related reports during the past four years. Now, how these numbers compare to police departments and other parts of the world is unknown, but it seems like a lot, uh, considering that these aren't simple calls about strange lights in the sky. No, it's, it goes much further. Listen to this. Two calls, again, to the West Midlands Police in the United Kingdom, two of the 23 calls over the last four years were from people who were either being attacked by aliens or re- or were reporting an alien home invasion. Three of the calls were from people seeking police assistance because extraterrestrials were allegedly in the process of abducting them or coming to abduct them. Four calls were from people who reported that they were either talking to aliens or hearing aliens talking to them. The remaining 14 calls were a little more run-of-the-mill people reporting they had seen extraterrestrials in West Midlands. You'll uh, also find a report published, uh, you'll find that report, rather, published by space.com. Now, the other story I wanted to draw to your attention. Uh, Mysterious Planet X may really lurk undiscovered in our solar system. Uh, In fact, uh, that's going to be the subject of the, the conspiracy show next week when I speak with Bob Dunn. Uh, who has taken some pretty interesting video footage with his smartphone of a, a strange celestial object that can be see, that can be seen using a certain film filter, or can be used. Uh, sorry, he's, what he's done is he's taken negative film, a type of negative film, and he's placed it over the uh, the lens of his three G uh, smartphone, which allows him to shoot uh, or video directly into the sun. And in the upper left hand portion of the sun Bob says that rather large speck is a brown dwarf and it's dragging an entire solar system along behind it and it's headed our way something wicked this way comes anyway as always we remind you to uh, look to the heavens and keep watching the sky Uh, Ilana Freeland who's uh, supposed to join us here momentarily if we can connect with her uh, she's constantly watching the sky, but she's tracking something a little closer to home, not Planet X, uh, but chemtrails. Those strange, persistent contrails that come out of the uh, the tail end of uh, a jet airliner. You've seen those strange crisscrossing patterns which uh, will turn a beautiful blue sky gray suddenly. And Alana uh, believes that these uh, chemtrails are... Um, Well, they're ionospheric heaters like the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Project in Alaska and elsewhere. And they're servicing, they're part of this full-spectrum dominance. This revolution in military affairs, she says, needs an atmospheric medium to assure wireless access to the bodies and brains of everyone on Earth, from heat-seeking missiles to a form of mind control. And how did these new technologies come about? The recent release of various NSA records have reminded us that eyes in the sky are tracking us as supercomputers record the phone calls, emails, internet posts, even the brain frequencies of millions. Ilana sifts through the confusion surrounding chemtrails versus contrails and how extreme weather is being geoengineered to enrich disaster capitalists and intimidate nations. A deconstruction of Bernard J. Eastland's HARP patent points to other covert agendas, such as a global smart grid infrastructure that enables access to every body and brain on Earth, a future that erases lines between human and machine, and nanobiological hybrids that infest and harm human bodies. She says it's real, it's happening. Now, Ilana will be uh, making her way to Toronto. In the middle of next month, April 18th, I believe, she's coming to uh, the University of Toronto to speak about uh, chemtrails, harp, uh, And uh, this is being uh, organized by our good friends uh, Patrick White and um, uh, Kadina uh, from Conspiracy Culture. So if you want more information on Ilana's upcoming event, April 18th at the University of Toronto, just log on to uh, ConspiracyCulture.com. Dot com. Now, Tim in the other uh, booth is trying desperately to reach Ilana, but uh, she is not picking up. So, uh, Albert, if you could perhaps uh, email her or just let her know, her phone is ringing. Now, in the meantime, this is live radio, folks. These things happen. Sometimes our guests are not where they're supposed to be. So, what we will do is uh, we'll open up the phone lines, and uh, we, can, we can do some... Uh, Open lines, ask me anything, AMAs as the kids call it. Now recently, if you were listening to the program, we had a Toronto constitutional lawyer on the air, Rocco Galati, uh, talking about his court battle at the federal court level, alleging a conspiracy uh, between the federal finance minister, the IMF, the Bank of Canada... Uh, and others, uh, that we are essentially being enslaved because the Bank of Canada, the Bank of Canada Act, is being ignored unconstitutionally. The Bank of Canada, as it was intended by Prime Minister Mackenzie King back in 1938, it was nationalized and it's there for us. We own the bank. It's a public central bank, which means all levels of government can go to the Bank of Canada and borrow money, interest-free. Think about that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. The Bank of Canada is there for us. We can go there and borrow money. When I say us, the the, uh, the provincial government, the federal government, the municipal government, borrow money, interest-free, instead of paying or start, instead of borrowing from domestic private banks, international lenders. This past year, we, we, we paid $28 billion in interest, $28 billion, that's with a B, in interest payments at the federal level to service our $600 billion plus debt. Think what we could do with $28 billion dollars. We could build roads. We could build hospitals. We could dig subway tunnels, something we are in desperate need of here in the city of Toronto. But we can't seem to get the necessary funds from the provincial government. They're broke. We're not getting secured funding from the federal government because that money is out the window. It's gone. We could borrow up to, I believe uh, Mr. Galati said, one quarter of our federal budget, for example, from the Bank of Canada, interest-free, which would be $70 billion. What do you make of Mr. Galati's case? Let's open up the phone lines and discuss. At 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, while we await the arrival of Ilana Freeland... To talk about chemtrails, Ilana is, um, while we're waiting for Ilana Freeland uh, to check in, we have um, that out there for you. The Bank of Canada. Again, let me give you the phone numbers. 416 360 416 And toll free. From out of town, one 740 4740 But it's open lines. I'll throw that log on the fire. Anything else you'd like to discuss, then by all means. If you want to talk about chemtrails, have you seen them? What do you think they are? Who's responsible? Let's uh, begin with our good friend, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell. Canada's Edgar Casey. Hello, Douglas. How are you?
3: Hey, Richard. Good night. Uh, I was listening to the show and um, you asked me to call, asked everybody to call in, so I thought I'd pick up the cell and give you a dingle here.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you. What's on your mind tonight, Douglas?
3: Well, um, I was listening to this, uh, what you just said about these alien abductions in the UK. That was amazing.
1: Uh, the West uh, Midlands uh, Police, yes. They've uh, released these documents, and over the last four years, uh, what did I say? They had how many? Uh, 23, 23 alien related reports. And uh, some of them are uh, – the majority of them are sort of you know, run-of-the-mill, lights in the sky. But uh, three of the calls were people seeking police assistance because they alleged extraterrestrials were trying to abduct them. Two others were saying they were attacked by aliens or they were reporting an alien home invasion.
3: Absolutely amazing. I I was wondering. I wonder what the fingerprint uh, print team would be doing around the house. You know what kind of fingerprints they'd be getting. Exactly. Yes. Aliens coming in.
1: Yes. Dusting for suction cup prints or the like.
3: Something like that. Uh, My encounter was uh, seeing those uh, four orange uh, lights uh, from the brow in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, which I thought were uh, very odd, taking off from the middle, uh, looking down into the middle of Hamilton. Where uh, I'm located at the Mini Mansion Spiritual Center, um, seeing these lights come out one at a time and then kind of pairing up uh, into a military style formation, and then uh, two planes or two uh, two of these lights like planes veering off one to the left and one to the right. Right. Uh, and I think when I was on the show some your show some time ago, some people called up and said it really is on YouTube, et cetera. And uh, you know I, that was the first time I've ever seen an encounter like that. And I thought, you know, there's more and more of these, uh, uh, these, these um, bold uh, appearances of aliens. And I'm wondering if that's going to happen here in Canada. You know, faraway places like the U.K., well, okay, but bring it close to home. And uh, they really are here, I think, uh, with whatever that was that I saw. And it was accompanied by my friend who was an air traffic controller. And uh, she had never seen such a thing other than in, in, the, uh, in the military. And there were about six or seven other people with me.
1: Well, perhaps oh, right. this will inspire someone to, um, uh, to launch a, a FOIA request with police departments uh, here and around uh, the Toronto area or across Canada. Uh, well, it would be interesting to see what they would uncover. Let me, I, I've got about a minute before the break, and maybe okay. I'll get you to hold on, Douglas, because what I'd like to ask you – I, I mentioned earlier I had this conversation with uh, a listener, Bob Dunn from Pittsburgh, who's uh, taken some footage of the of the sun, and he's put a film filter across his, uh, his 3G smartphone – so he's allow, he's able to shoot directly into the sun. And uh, we're going to be posting that video up on the, uh, the website soon. But he says that this... It's a fairly large speck in the upper left-hand portion of the sun. He believes that's uh, a brown dwarf, a brown dwarf star, uh, dragging with it, essentially, uh, a bunch of planets and some other galactic debris, if you will, and it's heading this way. Sometimes we refer to that as Planet X. But um, I'm going to get you to put on your remote viewer uh, hat if I could and, and and get you to give me your impressions about what that might be coming this way, if anything
3: oh. Okay, I'll be right here
1: Canada's Edgar Casey, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell with us here on the Conspiracy Show, Open Lines until the arrival of Ilana Freeland to talk chemtrails, back with more Stay with us all right, we are back with uh, Canada's Edgar Casey, the man with X-ray eyes, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, who incidentally, of course, will be uh, one of our speakers at my upcoming live stage event, Follow the Truth 2, happening at the Regent Theatre in Oshawa, and uh, he'll be uh, conducting a remote viewing experiment live on stage. Now, Douglas, I asked you about uh, Planet X, Nibiru. Uh, some say heading this way, and uh, Bob Dunn, Who'll be with me next week? Uh, believes that's what he's captured on uh, on video in his smartphone.
3: This, mm-hmm. this
1: uh, interesting well, I'd be, artifact.
3: I'd be very very interested to listen to that show. There's been a lot of interest about uh, Planet X and uh, this this disturbance in our universe or solar system. And uh, you know, from my glimpse, uh, as you as you've done very well on my radio show too, with your uh, clairvoyance or remote viewing. Uh, when you were looking at that object on my desk and came up with the color and the size and the shape. Uh, it's it's a matter of seeing, uh, you know, impartial, uh, sorry, in a partial way uh, what's out there. And what I'm looking at tonight when you asked me was uh, large slabs of, uh, of, I say slabs, it looks like a rock or it looks like, a, um, like something, had, a shelf had broken off and it's floating, as if it would be a huge uh, iceberg, so to speak that would look like a battleship uh, to give you some, you know, parameters as to what I'm looking at with a lot of other uh, pieces of rock or meteors. I think this is a remnants of a planet that used to be in our solar system and the remnants of uh, uh, of a planet that, that somehow uh, was uh, destroyed or broke up, the rings of Saturn being part of the debris and also the... Uh, the impacts on our moon representing uh, what had happened, you know, ages ago. And I think we're coming back in space to where the body of this uh, uh, debris is 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 going to come by or come sort of close to the Earth or close to the solar system. I don't see it getting, you know, like a hair's breadth away. It'll be out there. We'll be able to observe it. But I'm looking at But just uh, a a whole array of odd-shaped, I can only say, uh, I'll call them rocks or, or for lack of a better term, slabs that look like they're layered and they're just stuck together. But one is gigantic. And I think this is, uh, and I mean, I'm only seeing in part, there could be other things out there. Uh, but I'm seeing this as as debris or something that happened, and I'm, then I'm surmising that it came from our solar uh, solar system or our, our part of the universe, and we're coming back around into it again.
1: So uh, these then presumably would be things that are being tracked by NASA's uh, I think it's called the Near Earth Near Earth Objects Program. In other words, they're 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 tracking. Uh, you know all of these asteroids out there um and meteorites some of which are are um uh you know very very tiny some that are you know huge uh and and we've had a couple of not real close calls but they've passed by uh not not close enough to cause any you know cataclysmic event here obviously on earth but do you think uh, i mean how close do you see this this object coming to us
3: well it's like um I'm looking. The, the last time we talked about this on the show, I saw uh, a, a comet or, or, or a meteor passing by in a 45 degree angle, and that happened the last with the last close encounter. Uh, that was yeah. Uh, when, when I looked at the uh, NASA pictures, it was going by at a 45 degree angle. You know, some, you know, that could have been.
1: Uh, um, uh, I think that was 2004 BL86. It was um, that was back in was that back in January?
3: Yes, right. We had. You and I had discussed it, and I had foreseen this in a, in a uh, vision or dream, and uh, we discussed it that way. And so it uh, just adds some validity to that what I'm looking at is, is real. I'm looking at it as if I would be looking on the other side of our solar system. I'm on this side of the sun, sort of looking past the sun, and it's away on the other side. So I think it's going to pass, if our solar system is going anti-clockwise, Towards this mass, it's going to pass by. It'll be out there. We'll be able to see a lot of it. Uh, see, meaning through satellite uh, or telescope, uh, uh, you know, uh, imagery. Okay. Uh, but it'll be far enough away that uh, it, it won't harm us. But we're going to see some smaller debris, the tail end of that. We're going to have all kinds of light shows and meteor showers, and uh, like every night, if I can put it that way. And I don't mean actually every night, but you know, on a very, very frequent basis. This is what I'm looking at, like all these uh golden, sparkly things coming into the atmosphere. And everybody's everybody's looking up and going, Wow, it's like fourth of July kind of thing, or Canada Day, or something like that. And uh and it's so frequent that uh, we're gonna not be too impressed. It'll be that often. Anyway, that's what I'm looking at now and that's what I'm I'm predicting uh here well, that's of sort of good. That's
1: that's pretty good news, Douglas. You're telling us that this is not Nibiru, Planet X, not a brown dwarf, nothing uh, cataclysmic coming our way.
3: No, it's just a lot of debris, a lot of debris uh, floating through, and it's all like horizontal. It's uh, like, but but there's a piece that looks like a battleship, and it looks like uh, uh, igneous rock or or metamorphic rock, where it's compressed together. It all looks black. Yeah, like black and and sort of an iron color kind of thing. All right, you know, it's it's almost like uh, um, um, you know, uh, people who have dreams or visions would be able to see this. And by the way, I'll be in Toronto next weekend, uh, or sorry, the 11th of April. I'm doing a dream seminar. If people want to come by at the Holiday Inn and see me there, give us the details. Uh, It's uh, the 11th of, of, uh, of April. And uh, we're at the Holiday Inn, and we're doing a whole-day uh, seminar on things to go bump in the night, dreams, visions, and uh, sort of remote viewing while you sleep, if I can borrow your, your, your phrase. Uh, so it's going to be a whole day on how to get in contact with the soul mind, the Akashic records, and to explain visitations, uh, maybe a visit from a celestial being or an angel, and how to interpret your dreams and visions so you get to sort of listen in on the universal language, uh, which is pictures, uh, the language of the soul. And that's, and uh, wife, that's
1: the, the Holiday Inn on Carlton Street in Toronto? That's
3: right, 30 Carlton Street at Young, and it's where we've been going for 20 years now. And what time? Uh, this will be 10.30 in the morning till 5 p.m., and it's a whole day uh, jam-packed with uh, uh, information and also taking personal questions from everybody in the audience. And we'll be discussing, you know, things like... Uh, what does it mean when you're uh, you know, uh, walking up a set of stairs? That means success, step by step. What does it mean when you're nude and running around in a park? It means that you're, the truth is being exposed about yourself or something. Uh, what does it mean if you're on a railroad track? It means you're on track. Whatever you're doing is going to be successful.
1: So dream interpretation, that... That is something that's going to be very popular, I'm sure. Uh, direct us to a website where they can get more information or order tickets.
3: My whole name, douglasjamescontrol.com And I think they can go to your website, too, and hook up with me, can they not? They can, we're going, to, we're going to be in Oshawa. Uh, I had some people from Europe uh, asking about this uh, just today, as a matter of fact. And you, might, you might see some people from Spain popping over. Excellent. Uh, there's a lot of interest in it, and I know the last time uh, you did your... Uh, event in Oshawa. It was very well received. You had some wonderful speakers, and this time, I think you're going to outdo yourself with some of the great people you have there.
1: Well, I appreciate it, uh, uh, Doug- Douglas, and uh, thanks I, for I checking hope I've in. I have been
3: giving out the right website. It's uh, followthetruth.tv, right?
1: That's the one, my friend. Thank okay. you so much.
3: <laughs> did want to send somebody someplace else.
1: All right, so by that's.
3: The, by the way, uh, just a, a closing comment, there's a lot of interest in Europe about chemtrails. Uh, serious, serious people are doing studies, They believe a lot of people are becoming ill or sick with the quote-unquote flu because of the amount of chemtrails or or contrails out there. So there's a huge organization. They're trying to get the government to do something about it.
1: All right, Douglas. Uh, Thank you, my friend.
3: Okay. Pleasure talking with you.
1: Dr. Douglas James Gatroll, Canada's Edgar Casey. Uh, and speaking of uh, chemtrails, we are now joined by Ilana Freeland, uh, the author of Chemtrails' Harp and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. Hello, Ilana, how are you?
4: Hi, Richard. Can you hear me? I can't see you. I don't know if I'm supposed to see something. Uh,
1: that's all right. We um, I think we lost uh, the HOA connection, the hangout on Earth, but we the hangout on uh, air rather. Uh, but we can hear you, <laughs> and we're glad that we finally connected uh, with you. Yes,
4: I had a very strange little uh, drama here, but i'm I'm back.
1: All right, we, we're, and we're glad to have you. Now, uh, let's just mention very quickly, you're coming to Toronto on April the eighteenth, University of Toronto. And our good friends yes. uh, Patrick and uh, Kadina at Conspiracy Culture are putting that together. And people can go to their website for more information, conspiracyculture.com. Again, it's Ilana Freeland and it's Chemtrails, Harp, and the full-spectrum dominance of planet Earth. Now, um, you've got – I mean, you've taken this whole Chemtrail thing, I think, in a, a, a whole – level further than, than most people. Most people, they look up in the sky, they see these strange persistent contrails uh, and, um, you know, think, okay, um, you know, what are they spraying and, and does it have to do with with uh, forestalling global warming? Um, is it population control? Are they just trying to control the weather, create droughts? I mean, yes, I guess that's all part of it, but you've taken it to a a, fir- a, a different level. This has to do with, as you say, this full-spectrum dominance. It's about almost literally tapping into, you know, our cellular level, our DNA, to control us in this in this manner. Explain.
4: Well, it, the term full-spectrum dominance, I borrowed that from the military, the U.S. military doctrine of full-spectrum dominance. And I see that term uh, two ways. One is certainly the uh, electromagnetic spectrum. They want full control of the electromagnetic spectrum. This will be remembered as the age of electromagnetics. And then there's the other level, full spectrum dominance, whereby all of life is now being militarized. And I think that's what you mean that I've taken it to a whole other level. I'm bringing in the one thing that is uh, missing from all the dialogues that I hear of geoengineering, climate change, extreme weather, etc., there is never one mention of any military agendas having to do with any of this, which uh, should be raising red flags to everyone who's listening to the ongoing dialogue as we um, will be heading toward the final conference, the UN Conference on Climate Change in Paris in December 2015. And I try in the book to present... Uh, the What leaped out at me as I researched the book the the seven agendas of uh, that are military in nature behind all of this, and I attempted to prove that. I think that Jerry Smith had written two books he wrote a book on har- Harp and he also wrote one. On uh, weather warfare. Yes, he did. And I looked over Jerry's material, and yes, he certainly saw a connection between chemtrails and uh, HARP technology. I don't say HARP anymore uh, because that in- installation up in Gakona, Alaska, is changing hands right now and is being retooled. But um, what I do mean, and I'm con- Continuing to use the term HARP uh, is HARP technology, which is uh, all the way around the world now. And I've already begun the next book, which will be on the space fence. And the space fence is actually um, the uh, culmination of the old uh, FDI program under Reagan and Cheney, uh, that would be, uh, and, and George H.W. Bush. That would be the uh, the the uh, strategic defense initiative, or as we like to call it, the Star Wars right uh, technology. Explain so how this,
1: explain how the uh, uh, yes. uh, chemtrails and the spraying of aluminum particulates and strontium and barium and so forth into the uh, into the atmosphere. How that works in conjunction with harp like technology uh, to sort of tap into our bodies and our brains.
4: Well, go um, consider how the chemtrails are coming out, and uh, of course there are arguments about that. There, uh, Jim Lee at uh, ClimateViewer.com, he sees it that the JP-8 fuel has additives in it now, and that what we're seeing are those additives. Uh, then there are the people who say it's just chemtrails coming out different pipes, different, different, uh, different system on the jets. And then there are people like me uh, who believe it's probably both and instead of either or. And when this, uh, this comes out of a jet, it is already loaded with nanoparticulates of various metals that are highly conductive and polymers, and piggybacked onto the polymers are a variety of biological experiments. And so, when um, when the if we look at the weather alone, and I like to always think of California, and how all of the moisture coming off the South Pacific is uh, is being forced north offshore. Of California up to the jet stream at Vancouver Island and the jet stream is loaded up with that moisture and that moisture is taken east and south and in order to do that you've got to have uh, lots of nanoparticulates of conductive metals uh, that you're, you're laying uh, along the coast north-south in order to make a, uh, a channel a tube going north, and then you send that radio frequency along that, and, and that will send that weather system in that direction.
1: So if they and want a drought in one area, they can, they can do that. If they, if they want, uh, if they want uh, to you know a high-pressure system somewhere else or rain somewhere else, they can do it all. They're controlling the weather. We'll uh, take a time yes. out, Ilana. We'll come back and continue to discuss the full dominance spectrum. Chemtrails and Harp with Ilana Freeland, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Ilana Freeland is here, sifting through the confusion uh, surrounding chemtrails versus contrails and how extreme weather is being geo-engineered to enrich disaster capitalists and intimidate nations. And uh, she will be uh, here in Toronto, University of Toronto, on Saturday, April the 18th. And for more information, visit conspiracyculture.com. Uh, now, this idea of geoengineering, and, and scientists have, it's, they're sort of setting us up. Uh, you know, they're, they're acclimatizing us to this idea. I, I, I mean, I, I believe that it's already underway, but they're saying, well, maybe at some time in the future we're going to need to geoengineer in order to forestall global warming. Do you then believe, Ilana, that, uh, and I, I believe this, that that the whole climate change or the global warming um uh, idea was created uh maybe through the club of rome or something like that in order to offer the cure which is this geoengineering
4: Well I think you're right that it's already begun we've been we're 15 years now into what used to be called project cloverleaf and um I think that the problem I foresee uh is that these as you notice they've really increased the pace of so-called debate in, uh, in the mainstream media, uh, but there's really uh, only two positions. One, either you're a nutcase and you don't think there is any climate change, or uh, you think that we have to do something drastic in order to uh, help uh, our atmosphere out at the same time that we're... we're reaching deep into our pockets to pay carbon taxes. And um, this either or is, as you know, the Hegelian dialect. I think it's a really good way to look at if you can control uh, the dialogue, uh, you can control the outcome.
1: Create the so, disease in order to what, offer What the cure. we're
4: heading toward is the Trojan horse. Uh, I, I hate to overuse that term, but I love it. Uh, the Trojan horse of climate change. Uh, be, it'll be wheeled through the gates of civilization as the globalists take command in a world government, in a more direct world governance way, a more overt world governance way, uh, through uh, uh, blackmailing and muscling nations. Regarding their guilt over their climate, and they can then send uh, this you know this covert uh, control over the weather. they can then send weather uh, to anyone who 's not obeying the the edicts being passed down from the Council on Foreign Relations and the Bilderbergs and all etc so I see this as uh, the arrival uh, at what they have been heading toward. I think this whole 15 years, and this is all conjecture based on uh, my research and thinking, I think that this whole 15 years has been getting it all set up, getting it, uh, getting the glitches worked out. Sometimes we saw weather that went too far. Sometimes uh, we saw um, illness in populations going too far at the beginning uh, when they started doing the chemtrails. So they have uh, they've tweaked this and and tweaked that and had enough experiments in in the weather engineering a, as well as the biologicals as well as electromagnetic uh, it, uh, experiments that they now feel confident that they can go forward and uh, and take charge in a more overt uh, out in-your-face in way, and, and that's how I see what's coming up. I mean, there's a conference going on every month. So There was one in San Jose uh, several weeks ago. Recently it was at Cambridge University in, in the U.K. So uh, one after another, boom, 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 and meanwhile the scientists who speak up are being marginalized, they're being ridiculed, and, uh, of course, the chemtrails movement, which is really – The only public outcry going on is ridiculed, and the irony, Richard, is that that term chemtrails is straight from the U.S. Air Force Academy. I mean, that's a military term that they had, but they've made it into a joke and a conspiracy theory. All I have to do is say those two words, uh, you know, uh, say chemtrails here, where I live, and people all smirk at me. So uh, it, it's been very successful, the control of the public debate and the ridiculing of those who are actually the, uh, the Cassandras of the day speaking out. They know what's coming. Uh, and will it be the same geoengineering program? No, I think it will be much more but uh, at least this is in place and they can go from here. Yeah,
1: now you're saying that this uh, weather control weather warfare being used to intimidate nations. So give me a for instance, let's say uh, that a um, you know a hurricane uh, and we are seeing we have in the past recently in the recent past seen hurricanes in places where we normally don 't get hurricanes, which to me is a signal that there 's something being manufactured but but mm-hmm. are and these tornadoes right yeah. but are these countries are these nation states launching unleashing these weather systems against one another, whether it 's a drought, whether it 's a wildfire whether it 's i mean is that how it 's being waged war now?
4: Well, I think there is weather warfare going on, but I don't think uh, everyone who can do it is a participant. I think some people are more sane, more, uh, more civilized than the American military. Um, I, right away, I think of Iran. Uh, Iran is being pressured with drought. And, um, of course, they are involved in, uh, in trying to uh, work with ionizing uh, rain in, in their drought infested lands and it's forcing a, a, that new technology to come I mean it used to be silver nitrate now it's a, an ionizing process that can be done but again you need a weather system rolling in to make it work for you and if, if the powers that be are keeping that weather system from coming to your nation then uh, it, it could be that you're going to be hard-pressed to stand up and be counted against uh, the, this this latest technology of uh, empirism is how I see it. So uh, you know, take Russia for example. Russia has the same technology, this sophisticated technology, uh, and yet Russia is choosing to go about this in a different way. All right, Ilan, I got to uh, jump
1: in here. We'll take a time out, come back, and continue to discuss chemtrails, harp and the full-spectrum dominance with Ilana Freeland right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Ilana Freeland stays with us and uh, received this email from Ryan, and he doesn't want his last name used. Uh, But Ilana, he's wondering uh, about chemtrail webs that fall from the sky. Are you familiar with chemtrail webs?
4: Oh, yes, yes. Um, And those are, in general, I would say those are polymers, and some of them are melting and might end up uh, being all over a uh, over, over a bush or a tree and uh, those those polymers are the carriers of, of the fibers that uh, are Morgellons uh, and Clifford Carnicum the independent scientist has renamed that in lieu of the fact that the CDC and the EPA refused to uh, duplicate his research, has renamed the Morgellons, which is inappropriately named, the cross-domain bacteria, meaning that the little critter that uh, rides in on the fibers that have a polymer shell uh, and that we then inhale and ingest through GMO foods, of the water in our environment, the air that we're breathing, that uh, th- these are uh, uh, they 're going into our bodies and uh, and inside of them is uh, the bacteria that uh, goes through all three domains of nature. Um, it's completely genetically engineered. So when you see the polymers coming down, um, they're just they're just floating down. And uh, d- please do not touch them without gloves on, uh, because some of them, d- depending on what the chemical composition is, it could be very harmful.
1: And Morgellons uh, is uh, and people people seem to have these. They almost look like little tiny. They're their fibrils or little wires. It looks like coming out of their skin.
4: Yes, that's, that's exactly the polymer uh, cover, covering. The, it's like a chitin covering. Uh, inside are four other parts, one of which is uh, the reproductive part, and they also have uh, nanosensors and, nan- and microprocessors in them, uh, and they communicate with each other once they're, uh, they've uh, been lodged in the body. Uh, it's, and like we're being uh, like,
1: is, it's like we're being tagged like cattle.
4: Yes, uh, they can be, they communicate with each other via those microprocessors. The sensors that are collecting data can be remotely uh, connected with, and the data in them can go to computers, laptops uh, in Denver, etc. I mean, it's a brave new world. And um I mean, this might be horrendous and scary, and all of that, but um you know we 've lived with parasites and then symbiotic relationships for many uh, thousands of years as uh, living in mammalian bodies so i, I you know for me uh, I know I have them uh, i 've seen them under a microscope eating the uh, iron out of my erythrocytes. do we all have more gallons you know,
1: have- then Ilana? is that the the
4: all, we all do, Richard. We've all ingested these these creatures, and um, only some people develop lesions, and some don't. And as far as why, uh, why don't I have the lesions? Well, I mean, I have a few theories, but I don't really know. I mean, this is where each of us is becoming a scientist. And I did want to address that. I want to say to people, uh, especially people thinking of coming to the talk or not, that we are on our own now because the scientists who know about this technology on on all sides of it, not just the biologicals, um, they are either threatened, their families are threatened, or they have signed confidentiality agreements. And uh, we cannot wait for them to speak out because they are in fear. So I, I find um, if I can just do the clear research and, uh, and in, you know, dispassionately and not allow the fear to take hold, uh, I, you can learn a lot about this, and therefore you are better defended. I don't see that uh, hiding our heads in the sand like an ostrich will really help at all. Uh, we need to be bolder and braver in this amazing era of uh, uh, we're we're going all the way from a missile defense system to a space fence system i mean this is a space age we're living in and it also has transhumanist aspects to it and of course that's what they're experimenting on us uh, for is for the future so that they know more and they're very interested in how uh, certain people i mean if you go to the doctor they 'll send you down the hall uh, and you tell them about the lesions and about these little wiry things sticking their heads out and they have black, red, and blue heads, each one having a different function, each one genetically engineered for a different function they 'll send you down the hall without having taken a sample at all to the psychiatric ward and you'll be um, it 'll go on your record that you have delusional parasitosis i mean this is a very contrived and, and people say, oh, how could they keep this secret? Well, the best way to keep a secret is out in the open uh, because people are so brain dead now from their TVs and their iPhones and their texting and, uh, and the bad food they've been eating for 50 years. So, you know, th- there's very little apology and very little need to be covert anymore. I I think we're going to see the day when it's all admitted, but in a language that you're going to have to learn how to read. It's not going to be exactly as I'm saying it.
1: Let me go uh, back to... to, Sorry, excuse me, Ilana. I want to go back to Ryan's email here because he makes makes a very good point. Uh, In order, you know, maybe to wake people up, if we were to present them with evidence this way. Uh, He writes, Someone needs to create a wide-angle, time-lapse video of a clear blue sky and then chemtrails being sprayed, and then show them clearly seeding, creating clouds that spread out and fill the sky. He says, that's the proof we need. Has anyone ever uh, put together a video like that?
4: Absolutely. In fact, I recommend that people uh, ask to join. It's a private group, a Facebook group that I've formed around my book. Just ask to join, and it's called Ilana Freeland, Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full Spectrum and i have i have amazing people sending in videos i mean there are thousands of people who now are awake and they are at this point they're going through their different phases their their phases are not in lockstep with mine they're looking at the sky and they're studying the sky and they've got their cameras out And they are going to it. And they send me a lot. And there are a lot of excellent sites, not just mine. But I I really, uh, I've seen that. I've seen that video several times. And it's it's like, uh, Ryan, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And in that case, you can show people these things. But in a way, it's so unreal to them because it's on a cosmic scale. It's not like the guy next door is bothering you. This is in the sky. This is going on. They're redefining clouds. They're they're putting things in kids' textbooks now. They're they're naming new clouds. I mean, my favorite is cirrus Contralis. Uh so, you know, everything is being uh, uh re-engineered for our perception. This is what Brzezinski meant by perception management—we are being managed. You mentioned and the, the clouds.
1: Uh, you mentioned the clouds, and, and you I, realize what's going on. You, you mentioned the clouds, and I remember as a kid seeing the, you know those huge cumulus uh, uh, clouds that would that would come before a major thunderstorm. I know I rarely yeah, don't no. I rarely see those anymore. They don't. They're not these natural-looking puffy you know clouds. It's just that constant gray haze.
4: Well, I'm, I'm out here in the Pacific Northwest and I'm seeing something different from what you're seeing because I'm living on the West Coast where the weather is being made by the U.S. Navy. And we call it the Pineapple Express. Uh, and it's uh, South Pacific moisture uh, taken hold of via radio frequency, radar, SBX, there are all sorts of instruments, uh, not counting, uh, I, I don't even need to talk about the Harp Gacona installation. Don't need that now for this. And that weather, I see cumulus, but it's coming in from the west, and then I see a hazy, uh, very thin cloud, uh, white, gray, various layers. You're looking from the bottom at about, at least six or seven layers that have been laid above your head and um, I can tell now after looking 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 uh, at the I can tell the difference between natural cloud structures of which there are very few and the artificial cloud structures of what which type of, what are. type of planes
1: are spraying they used to say they were the Hercules transport planes what 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 planes are responsible for the spraying it, it
4: doesn't Well, it doesn't really matter anymore because all of them are being used. The commercial airlines, they're all making, they're picking up a few extra bucks by having it. They have drones up there that are laying, laying the trails. Used to be C-130s, you know, whenever Green Airlines was still going, which is a CIA outfit, that's closed down now. I mean, they're, they're moving toward a different system now whereby you will not be able to see those trails much longer they will be invisible to the eye down it's here an,
1: it's an additive but they in the will fuel
4: farm clouds
1: where are the where are the whistleblowers where are the the, the the people that are you know responsible okay so let's say the you know it's not a case of loading these big drums of this concoction onto the back of a Hercules transport plane you know that we would know we could track that someone would could could you know be a whistleblower and say I, I did that uh, but Somebody somewhere, you would think, uh, would be willing to to speak out about this. Their conscience would, would, um, you know, mitigate against doing this any longer. Where are the whistleblowers?
4: Well, I think it's conscience versus fear. I remember when Sylvain Henry in Ottawa uh, had um, seven pilots, he told me, who were willing to come forward and speak. But um, I have not heard a word so I assume uh, it's their families, uh, it's their career. I, I don't know. I know um, William Binney came forward a while back, and wh- you know now and then uh, people come forward, but I, that's what I'm saying to people. We cannot wait for that. We need to study, we need to understand our condition so that we can prepare our children and our grandchildren because this is not going to go away right away i mean everyone who comes to my site that's of course the first thing on their mind how do we stop this when can we stop this we've got to stop this well i'm certainly in agreement i mean um alexandra uh, hunter is now uh, uh looking into the legal aspects in her state of arizona we just heard that in Rhode Island, a lawsuit has been brought against the federal government by a, a town in, in Rhode Island uh, regarding uh, under the pollution clause. The, uh, and and I, I mean, anyone who has a good idea, this is a time to use it because we are, we are busy learning our condition and taking care of our immune system so that we don't grow ill, so that, you know, if indeed it has to do with the lesions, so that we don't get so sick with Morgellons. And meanwhile, uh, how can we stop this now? Is is it only going to be that we're going to have to learn to live with this? I really don't know the answer to that question, but I do know that I will not stop working on this. I will keep going because, uh, to me, I'm familiar with all the issues that are going on, and there are some very important ones. But the air we breathe and the water we drink and the soil that is being so alkalinized that trees are dying and plants will not grow, we really need to look at this this chemical, biological warfare that is raining down on us from the sky. All right, and I Elena, wish I got to I got it. It isn't.
1: I'm I'm out of time, unfortunately, but uh, uh, people can read the book. It's Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. And, of course, you're coming to the University of Toronto Friday or Saturday, Saturday, April the 18th. For more information, conspiracyculture.com. Thanks, Ilana.
4: Thanks, Richard, for having me.
1: My pleasure. My thanks to Tim Spreen, Albert Vinzel, and our new intern, Eric Ames, back next week with a brand-new show, including... Planet X. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.